Okay, so today is Friday, September 27th, 2013. It is 9.25 in the morning. I'm walking up my hill here in Stonemark, uh, getting ready to do my prayer time with the Father. I've already done lots of time in the Word this morning, and I am absolutely filled to overflowing with joy this morning. I literally jumped like a skip while I was walking and had to throw my bottle of water up in the air about 10 minutes ago because I am so filled with joy and gratitude in the Father. Um, the stage is set for a huge miracle. I feel it. I know it's coming. This journal entry is going to be so incredibly valuable for God's glory because I have waited now. This has been a three and a half year period. Three, just, just over three years. Uh, August would have been three years that the divorce um, started uh, ago and, and started this very, very difficult season of losing everything and uh, being isolated from uh, most everyone and learning to hear the voice of God over all others. Now, uh, in this final season, it's like God spent a lot of time teaching me and, and basically um, unteaching me all of the bad things that I thought were correct. So a lot of bad theology, a lot of bad teaching, uh, worldly thoughts, and he spent the first part of my season getting rid of that. Then the next part of my season was to learn how to hear from him. And he began to use numbers to point directly to scriptures and speak to me and give me guidance and direction. And it's, it's what's led me to this very point now. I would not have any of the testimony or the story or the direction, or the purpose, uh, the joy, the peace, the rest, and the contentment that I have right now, had I not followed the Lord leading me by His Word. So, I learned how to, to hear Him. Once I learned how to hear Him, He began to uh, just really be adamant about teaching me the importance of obeying Him. And so He would show me all the time, 909, which points to the center of Psalm 119 in my Bible, which is all about obedience. And so uh, there's been a long season of me learning how to hear the voice of the Lord and then obey that, meaning walk by the Spirit, not by my flesh. And so in the beginning, it was decently easy. And as time grew on, it became, became more and more difficult. The Lord would begin to ask me to obey Him in more and more difficult things that would really cause me to have to crush my my flesh and really squash it in order for me to obey. Meaning, you know, there were some serious needs or perceived needs that the flesh wanted to have fulfilled. And God would come along with a word that would tell me to ignore that and follow this, basically heading in the exact opposite direction. So this has continued all the way up into this season where God began to ask me the most difficult things. Starting in January, of 17, January 17th, he asked me to set down my, my Sticky Story Productions business and uh, no longer do videos. And then I immediately went into the ministry of doing online daily videos. The Lord kept showing me Hebrews 3.13 over and over again, the importance of encouraging the saints daily. So I started this ministry on the backbone of my story, which he told me to tell, and he would always tell me to finish the work, you know, with doing my story and then finish the work with doing the videos. And I got going on it. The first day I had $300 in donations. My first 
day. That was God showing me the cloud the size of a man's hand like he did for Elijah, that he was with me. And from then I started receiving some really wonderful fruit. There were several suicides that were prevented people that were going to kill themselves or had already actually tried and were going to do it a second time. And God brought them to my story and he, he spoke life into their hearts and they decided not to kill themselves. And so there was a couple of salvations where people would pray the prayer with me on the line and receive Jesus Christ. And I just began to be so excited. The enemy began to come after me about this time. And he used a lady that I had reached out to to help. Um, and I had all intense practical purposes of literally just trying to help her. She was attractive, but I was very cautious and guarded because I've been waiting for, you know, my promise, which is Laura. But um, the enemy had set me up in this situation. It was a really, really um, came out of nowhere. Uh, obviously, he had been trying to get me involved with women for a long time. There had been people trying to connect me, and I could see that um, he was trying to exploit me in my area of weakness. And I just, it was easy for me to resist for the most part. I just didn't look, didn't entertain. I'd say no and never went to first base on anything um, with anyone, meaning don't even look, don't call back, don't, all of that stuff. I shut it off. Well, the, uh, as, as the situation would have it, there was this woman brought into my uh, presence where I realized she was very hurting and I began to empathize for her as I see hurting people. I gave her my story video and over a period of a couple of months, we would have these um, encounters with each other at Starbucks and she was always very aloof, very standoffish, very professional. There was probably a wall 20 foot thick between um, her and anybody else. And, you know, long story short, uh, the door had opened for her to be involved in a Bible study that I was teaching. And it turns out there was something very um, familiar in our stories. And as it would have, has, have it, there was a counterfeit of something that God was doing in my life that was in her life, I full on believe it was a, it was a counterfeit from Satan, but it got everybody to say, Oh, you guys need to, you know, connect up and hear each other's stories. She invites me to her house. Um, and I felt completely safe with going there. It was totally platonic. I'm not interested in dating anybody. I've been waiting for Laura and, uh, I end up at her house and two and a half hours into it. We've had some great conversation. Um, she's starting to open up to her heart. One thing leads to another and she, and I, I feel so weird saying this as a man because most people would never believe this, but um, she basically, you know, I, I tried to tell her that it's getting late and I'm tired and I said, you know, I, I, I'm starting to feel that funny feeling a little bit, that attraction thing, and I said, I need to, and I tried to, to say this to, to respectfully put some distance between us and it backfired on me. And this lady came on me like I've never seen anything. It was like a, a scene in a movie. And she, she threw herself at me and I just kept telling her, no, no, please, let's not do this. We're Christians. We don't have to do it. She had been drinking some wine. She didn't take no for an answer. And basically, in my own, my own thought was, this is the only way I can get out of this. And so I cried after that. I left her house. I cried for three days straight. I was so brokenhearted. Here I had been working on this ministry. Here I had been fearing the Lord and doing all this. And out of nowhere, this, this, this totally unforeseen thing happens to me. And again, you know, anybody who ever reads this or hear this is going to surely think, yeah, right, Mike. No, people don't understand. I've even told the Father, I will not be afraid to have that videotape played in heaven where the whole assembly is going to see a man who fears God saying 30 times, no, 
we can't do this. No, my problem was I had boundaries issues and I got the two commandments reversed. The greatest two commandments. This is all what God would show me after the fact. I went to the Father, I repented, and I cried for three days when I was in prayer. I just literally just cried and cried and told the daddy how, how sorry I was. I was so upset that I had done this and I failed. God forgive me. Immediately, the Father forgave me. Immediately, he showed me. He forgave me. But a week later, I still had my own hand on my own neck trying to choke myself for what I did. I hadn't forgiven myself, you know? And this is not in my character. This is not something I wanted to do. It's not something I was even capable of doing. You know, I just, it, the, the enemy was a lot smarter than I was. And I thought that I was stronger. I thought that, oh, you know, I'm avoiding this stuff. And, you know, and, and there was a wall in between us, but that wall came crashing down right in front of me and there was almost like nothing I could do. It caught me completely off guard. And so I started recognizing that what the Lord showed me is that there was still a part of me that had the fear of man. Now I don't fear people when I see them at Starbucks and regular people, but there was still a little bit of insecurity in the whole woman thing, you know, being rejected um, by my spouse for so long. And then all of a sudden, this woman came out of nowhere who just, you know, literally wanted me like crazy. And she was, you know, saying things like, I knew there was something different about you, Michael, from the minute I left. That you, nobody ever comes in my house. No man, not even the pizza guy. You know, this God set this all up. And I was like, no, 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 no. God didn't set this up. This is not, you know, of the Lord. This is, God would not want us doing this. And, but I was not strong enough to get up and leave this lady had some kind of a power over me. You know, I mean, that is the fact. That's not me making an excuse. This was, this lady had power over me. There was something and I had to find out what was it. So basically what the Lord showed me is that I still had fear of man. And that even though I did care for this lady, meaning in a friendship way and wanted to help her come more into the light of Christ and have the freedom and peace in her, in her life that she was missing, what God showed me was that I put the, the second commandment, loving others, ahead of the first commandment. And so you can never ever love another person at the expense of loving God. You cannot sin, you cannot love another person through sin and then um, have that be a good thing in God's eyes. That is not a good thing. So I violated my own conscience. I violated and broke God's heart and, viola and, and violated the Holy Spirit in that way. So, long story short, I didn't realize I was going to end up journaling this part, but I think it's important, and now that I'm doing it, I'm going to finish it. I literally, um, this lady continued to pursue me. I tried to be nice. I tried to help her. I tried to say, look, you know, you're trying to use sex to get something, a need met, that you're not getting met in your life. You you think you have found this this good thing. You haven't. You're, And I tried to counsel her. She didn't want to hear anything of it. So, ultimately, I had to completely cut this lady off not returning texts, not returning phone calls, nothing. I went to my pastor. This is where it comes back full circle. And my pastor agreed to begin to mentor me. In the first meeting we have, the Lord told me to tell him about this. I just felt prompted to tell him that, understand, pastor, this is so out of my character. This is not something I wanted to do. You got to understand, I'm a prude. I'm afraid of these kind of things. And this thing happened to me. I got myself in a situation. I thought I was stronger than this. What pastor told me was, 
He said, Michael, he said, you have authority in Christ over the works of the devil. And he says, the problem is that the enemy rarely comes in through the front door. A robber rarely comes in through the front door. They usually come in through a window. And he said, you have authority in Christ over the works of the devil until you open the window. As soon as you open the window, you surrender your authority in Christ. He said, Michael, the minute you went into that lady's house, you were done. You had taken off. It's like taking off Christ, setting him outside, and you walked inside, left all your authority. You were done. And he began to explain to me that it was actually not a good thing that this happened, but that it was a good thing that it happened now as opposed to 15 years from now, when and if God has placed me in a position of, you know, uh, either national or international ministry or local, who knows? He said, Michael, do you know how many pastors this happens to where they have these huge ministries and the enemy's just sitting there waiting, 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 and bam, he strikes and pulls the whole thing down. Incidentally, this has just happened to three of the best pastors in Orlando in the last six months. Huge ministries, and because of sexual sin, the men fall. He said, Michael, the Lord wants to strengthen you in this area. There's a weak spot, and the enemy will exploit it. I believe you need to step away from the ministry for a while. Set it down, and allow the, the Lord to strengthen you in this area, so that the day will come that the devil regrets that he ever did this to you. I had at first had bucked on this and I thought, now wait a second, I've already completely repented. The Lord knows this was not in my character at all to do this. I was completely devastated by it. I've repented and been forgiven. But he explained to me that the, that you need a time of strengthening. He said, otherwise this will come back to haunt you down the road. He said, because the enemy is going to look for cracks to take you out, Michael. He basically really edified me and said he sees the hand of the Lord upon me, and he said, far be it that this would happen to you. He said, I see so many good men of God that get up there and get taken out by the enemy. And he says, I don't want to see that happen to you. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray about this, you know, getting out of the ministry thing and setting it down for a little while. I went to the woods, and immediately the Father had told me to set it down. I was kind of shocked by this because, you know, it had just started having fruit. And the thing that I had told him about had happened you know, months earlier. I, I, actually, I think it had happened about six to eight weeks, or maybe eight weeks earlier when th th that that had happened. Um, so I was kind of shocked that he had told me um, to do that, the Lord. But he also showed me that he wanted me to come under the authority of this pastor, that I needed to not be doing this alone, but that I needed to be under the covering of my pastor. And I, I needed to put myself under his delegated authority, God's delegated authority through Pastor Rusty. So I agreed to do this. Well, Rusty and I didn't have very much conversation, and this put me in a very, very, and I never told Rusty this, this put me in a very, very vulnerable position financially because that's how I was earning my living. Now all of a sudden, there's, you know, I'm not going to have any donations. God told me to set my business down. I did. Then he told me to start the ministry, I did. Then he told me to set it down, I did. And so now all of my avenues for, you know, having any kind of an income are gone. What do I do now? Well, I began to sit and wait. And what the Lord wanted me to do is to focus on learning and seeking Him in a new, fresh, deeper way than I had ever done before. So I began to seek the Lord um, in His Word, began to read, you know, some, um, some really uh, good books that really talked about being led of the Spirit. And just 
poured myself into the Word over and over. And I've been doing this now for four months. His thought was, my pastor's thought was that at the end of the summer, that I could, you know, get going again. Back on the videos. Okay. So, four months, no income. I end up being put in a situation where I'm now four months behind on child support as a result of this, okay? So, my own sin and folly caused me to have to set the ministry down. And this brings about discipline. The Lord is bringing discipline into place. Not because He is mad at me, but because He loves me. The Bible says He disciplines those who are real sons. Legitimate sons. He disciplines. So, the Lord began to discipline me and really just opened my eyes. I began to grow faster, deeper, stronger. And God began to put a focus for me on the teachings of Jesus Christ. He led me through His Word to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And immediately I began to realize how impotent I was in fully understanding and walking in the teachings of Jesus Christ. You know, we all say, yeah, we've heard that before. And then we just kind of move on to the epistles or good books or whatever. Or we fascinate ourselves with stories in the Old Testament. But we're not living the teachings of Jesus Christ. So God began to put this tremendous um, motivation in my heart and, and commandment for me to learn and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. So I began to do this. All the while, God begins to really speak to me more and more and more. And I began to ask Him about my finances. God begins to show me James 5.11. Blessed are those who persevere. You know, it says, For we have heard of Job's, you've heard of Job's perseverance and what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. And each time throughout this four months that I would question, Am I on the right path? What about my finances? You know, my enemy, my ex-wife, is now getting evidence that I'm everything she thought I was, Lord, because you're not providing me the finances to pay. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord just kept telling me over and over and over for me to keep the faith, for me to trust in Him. He used multiple scriptures over and over. I would see trust in Him, trust in Him, trust in Him. In the very beginning of the year, I had seen God do a miracle where I was in bad need January, February, and March. I had not been able to make my full child support payments. I paid like $900 one month, 1000 another month, and three months in a row I hadn't been able to make a full payment. I kept asking the Lord. He kept saying, trust. One morning, God had showed me 848 a couple of times. And I looked up the scripture and found out that it was Luke 848 where Jesus says, Go in peace. Your faith has healed you, daughter. Go in peace. And it was like I instantly knew that God was telling me that my faith had delivered me. I was going to get up and I said, no, let me just continue my Bible study where I was at because I had gotten up for a minute, saw 848, looked it up, saw that scripture. As I turned the page, I was in a different book and saw that exact same line. My eyes went right to it, same story, same meaning, different book. And I felt the Holy Spirit just say, you are going to be delivered. I have delivered you. I ran immediately, told my mom, she was on the treadmill, mom, God has said he's going to deliver me financially. We're going to have a miracle happen financially. Before Friday, it's going to happen, Mom. This was a Tuesday. I said, Mom, I'm sorry, it was maybe Monday or Tuesday. I said, before Friday, it's going to happen because I had some people coming over on Friday night for discipleship. Incidentally, this is something I hadn't thought about. One of the people coming over that night on Friday night was that woman. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay, so yeah, I'm going backwards in the story just to keep track, but 
basically what happened was the next day that I had told my mom that, the day after that, I get a phone call from a car dealer that I had um, had a phone conversation with six months earlier who, who found my website, Sticky Story Productions, on the internet and was thinking about having a story video done for his dealership. He had seen my personal story. He was a Christian guy named Steve uh, Scott Campbell, and he began to ask me about my story, and he, he began to inquire and took real personal interest in what was going on. At the end of that conversation, he had said something about wanting to do a story video, and I said, look, I said, I need a car. I said, if you ever decide you want to do this, let me know. Maybe we work out a trade. Instead of you having to pay me for it, we could work out some sort of a barter exchange. Never heard anything from the guy for six months. Never, never, no more conversation. That next day after the Lord had showed me 848 and told me that my faith had delivered me, I got a call from him. He ends up giving me an automobile, a 2005 Toyota Prius belonging to his aunt, had been in an accident, had the right side smashed, had 85,000 miles on it. My parents had been praying for a car that had good gas mileage. This car is delivered to our driveway. We were supposed to have to go get it in Atlanta. He calls me up the day before we're supposed to go get it and says, don't worry about it. I got a driver. He's going to deliver it to you. They deliver the car to our house. It pulls up on a trailer and the license plate on the trailer that's towing the vehicle that God has provided has five 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 in it god's grace god's deliverance so god provided my parents bought the car from me and then i still get to drive it that gave me all the money i needed to get caught up on child support and pay my phone bill and stuff like that god had told me in advance he was going to do it and he provided it was incredible okay so now back to this place to to what's going on now i have for the last four months just trusted God with everything and every I've had multiple people contact me about doing video work about three weeks ago I got a phone call from a client or an email from a client who had several clients he wanted to refer story videos to that wanted story videos well I charge five thousand dollars a pop so if it were two or three that's ten to fifteen thousand dollars in revenue that would have completely paid all of my child support paid my taxes and got me caught up on everything Within seconds of me getting the email, God says to me, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I saw 525 and instantly I knew the Lord wanted me to say no to it. So I'm like, okay, Lord, all right, Father, I'm going to say no to it. Now, I had great need, but bigger than my need is my faith and trust in God. So I literally just began to trust God in this. And I thought, man, this is exciting that God is asking me to do these radical things. I'm putting these... He, I'm putting myself in danger by not paying my child support. Now, my children had been with me for two of the four months, so I knew they were taken care of, and they live with their grandparents and their mom, and their grandparents obviously have a lot of money. They've spent 70000 of it to try to sue me in court for the last you know, three years. So it's not like my children are not being taken care of. They're in a private Christian school. They live in a nice home. They're getting toys and gifts and things. They're being taken very well care of. So the Lord's not put me in a situation where my faith would be even doubly tested if he were asking me to do what he's been asking me to do at the neglect of my children. If my children were being neglected, I don't think I could have ever done this. So, but God has asked me to trust him. And really what I've had to put up on the altar is my dignity. My enemy has been given evidence that I am everything that she has said I am. That I'm this bad, horrible provider. A person who, you know, her parents are, have said that I'm the devil. And 
I'm a liar and no good and I abandoned the children and I don't take care of them and I don't send mommy any money. I've, you know, paid almost $30,000 in child support in the three years, probably more than that. And uh, just this last, you know, four months, I haven't had any money because I'm doing what the Lord tells me to do. My mom has railed against this and every week comes to me with a speech about, I just don't understand how God could ask you to not provide for your children. I mean, I get walking in faith. I just don't understand what's wrong with you working. The Bible says that you should work. I don't know why. And she just, and I said, mom, I get it. I get it. The Bible says you shall not kill. And yet he asked Abraham to put his own son. Keep in mind, that was not a son that Abraham had made for himself. That was the promised miraculous son. And God says, now take him and put him on the altar. It's just like what God had me do with my ministry. He gave me this ministry and then tells me to put it on the altar. It's, it's shortly thereafter. It had just started to produce fruit. Isaac had just gotten to a fruitful age, probably like teenage years, and was starting to understand the ways of God. And God tells Abraham to take his own seed, which is the promise of much fruit. Abraham had promised Isaac many fruit. Isn't it interesting to me that God had promised me through this ministry Psalm 40 verse 3, I think it is, that many will see. He put a new song in my mouth and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This is a promise that God had showed me, meaning that there would be multiple fruits and conversions through my ministry. And now God says to me to take it and kill it, pull it off the, pull it off the shelf after all this work had been done. It's amazing as I look at this. So I did... And incidentally, there had been a, uh, an area of disobedience in Abraham's life, just like there was me. Uh, mine with the area of indiscretion with that woman and, and putting myself in a situation where I thought I was stronger than I was. And, and then at the last minute, the enemy opens a door that I walked right in. Same thing with Abraham and, and, and Sarah. You know, God had promised them a son. He had seen faithfulness to all, uh, multiple accounts of God's faithfulness. And yet... They conclude when God does not provide as soon as they think that he should have, that they need to take matters into their own hands. And aha, what God must have meant, they concluded, is that you need to sleep with Hagar and have a son with her. That's really what God must have meant, because clearly he's not going to provide it the way he said it was. So God needs our help. And they sinned. And so there was an area of disobedience in Abraham's life. And God used this situation with Isaac to strengthen God's, to strengthen his faith back in God. For the Bible says that he stopped him short of driving the, the, the knife in there. <clears throat> and and here's, what, here's what we know of this. We know that Abraham, and for Abraham, God had a track record of faithfulness with Abraham. So God had a track record of faithfulness. Abraham knew that he could trust God because the words in the Bible say, he says, we will go to worship God and we will return. He's saying we, it was only him and Isaac. So he knew that he was coming back with Isaac, even though God had told him to go kill him. He knew. It's kind of like when I told people, I will be back. Even though God had asked me to set this thing down, I said in my last video, this is not the end. This is the beginning. I will be back. Abraham told Isaac, we will be back. Because he knew that even if he had to drive the dagger into his heart, that God would resurrect him from the dead. He knew it. Or he would supply something. So we see God get, we see Abraham get right to the last minute. He's about to raise the knife and God says, Abraham, stops him. And then what does he say? 
He says, now I know that you will not withhold even your own son from me. The most valuable thing he had. My children are the most valuable thing I have. When the Lord asked me to step away and come to Alabama and leave behind my children and trust him with the battle, I said, God, how could you ask me to walk away from my children? How could you ask me to not fight for my babies? How can you? And the, the father said, do you trust me? That's the first thing he said to me is, do you trust me? I heard it in my spirit. Do you trust me? I said, yes, Lord, I trust you. Every single time I would bring it back up, the father would say, trust me. And every single time I would go back to Florida, it was as if I had never left. The kids would get in my car. It was just like they had just been picked up for the weekend. Nothing changed. We picked up right where we left off. And God was just showing me, see, Michael, I said you could trust me. God preserved the relationship with my kids in spite of the attempts of parental alienation, in spite of all the horrendous things that were being said about me that I couldn't do anything to defend myself in the eyes of my children about. God preserved and protected their light in my relationship with them. He showed himself faithful to me over and over and over. Then God had asked me already, you know, through the court situation, fire your attorney and I will deliver you in a very unusual way that will bring me much glory and it will not be because you had a better attorney. And God does this amazing thing where he shows me 777 over a hundred times and 555 and 666 every time something bad's going to happen to keep me from falling out of my chair and staying the course and staying obedient to him and keeping my head above water. And then delivers me and gives me a divorce that ends on the 777th day. And then points me to page 777 in my Bible where there it is in the introduction to the Psalms saying that God is the ultimate executor of justice and He is the defender of the defenseless and that when no earthly court can bring justice, He will bring justice. You know, no um, false testimony will get past the Lord. It was the entire description of what God had planned to do in my situation saying, if you will trust me, I will deliver you. So I had had this track record. So now I'm into this four-month season of, you know, don't work, every job, sit. It's not like I'm a guy who can't make money. I mean, God had me say no to a $150,000 job offer, you know, a year and a half ago. And I thought for sure, oh, look at this, the Lord has delivered me. And then immediately God says no. And I'm like, okay. So here it is in the last four months, I've had no less than five job offers, work, you know, video-related things. And God has told me to say no to every one of them. And he just kept saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. Blessed are those who persevere. You know, Romans 10, 11, he would show me, which says, the scriptures say no one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame. Then he would show me 11, over and over and over. And Jesus answered, have faith in God. It says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. And then I would see 11:01 over and over and over Hebrews 11.01, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I would see 4.14, which I believe is, I, I may have the book mixed up, um, Hebrews 4.14, which says, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has gone into the heavens through us, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So everything God's been showing me and teaching me and leading me by his word has all had to do with faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Deuteronomy 8.01, he shows me that he's led me into the desert to test me and see what was in my heart and if I would obey his commands. He made me hungry. 
And, and, and so he's been just showing me how this whole thing has been working behind the scenes. So now here I am at the tail end of this four-month journey where my pastor, I come under his authority, and he tells me to set aside the ministry. God confirms it that day in the woods, and then I've been literally just in full-time school. Again, my mom and people questioning, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I've had to just keep saying, you got to just trust God. I mean, I have got to trust the Lord. I cannot obey man over the Father. I will not do it. So my mom has just continued to reluctantly agree to let me kind of stay there. And she keeps, you know, bless her heart, feeding me and providing, which I'm so thankful for. And meanwhile, you know, my enemy sends me a, you're a rotten SOB you know, you know, you don't even got a job. You won't take care of your children. My parents are having to take care of them, be the parent that you're not. And you're out spending money and taking your girlfriend out. I don't even have a girlfriend. They were saying a friend of mine uh, named Tanya. Apparently the kids had misconfused or she's making things up in her mind. But I'm having to get this horrendous, very accusatory, one of the worst emails I had received in a long time from her just a couple of weeks ago. Very accusatory. All which causes my flesh to want to save myself. I'm not this person you say I am. You know, let me just go get some work, Lord, so that I can prove. And I pray all the time, Father, please bless me with the finances so that I can bless my enemy, so that I can take care of my children. I've been asking over and over and over for her to help me with this. And, oh my goodness, I just stayed too long. It's 10 o'clock. So basically what has happened is, just yesterday I had a major breakthrough or had been noticing this new number called 1133. And I had been noticing it on my walks. And uh, uh, yesterday I saw it twice and I said, okay, Lord, I get it. It's a number. Let me see what it means. I go and look up and it was, uh, I believe, Luke 1133, which says, and no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or sticks it under a bowl. But but, But instead he puts it on its stand so that it may give light and everyone that comes into the room may see the light, comes in, may see the light. Instantly, the Holy Spirit says, it's time for you to have your light shine. Now, I had been seeing 601 for weeks. 601 is Isaiah 61, which says, arise, shine, for the light of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. And I would, I would always say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Because you keep telling me to sit. So I would just be like, all right, until I hear anything different. I'm going to stay sitting. Well, all the sitting has been, don't do work. Don't get ahead of the Spirit. Don't do, take any of these jobs. He kept showing me 525 and 919 over and over and over again. So I knew the Father was telling me to stay put. I had also been seeing 313 quite a bit. I'm going, all right, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I'm like, all right. Father, why are you starting to show me that a whole lot if you're still wanting me to sit? So finally, I see the 1133 yesterday, and instantly the Lord says, it's time to go. Let's take this light that you're hiding in this house. Let's get it back out there. And I said, okay, Lord, awesome. I started feeling instant joy that the Father was now validating everything he'd been done in me and said, it's time to go back out. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I still have no way of knowing anything about finances. I have done the best I can um, to not mention it to anyone. And anybody I did mention to, I say, you are not allowed to help me in any way. My help will not come from man or from somebody that knows 
My help will come from the Lord. The Father will move upon somebody's heart miraculously to help me. And uh, it'll be not somebody that I've talked to directly about it. So um, that all happens. And so after I saw that, the 1133, as, as circumstances would have it, amazingly, in the same day. Meanwhile, I had seen 919 three times in one day, actually two times in one day and once the next morning. This was about uh, a week ago. I saw the 919 and then I saw uh, an email from an old client named Brent Baldassar, Dr. Brent Baldassar. And uh, in that email, he's asking for my phone number and immediately I thought, hmm, I see a 222 that afternoon, which is no one pours new wine into old wineskins, the idea of not going back to my old work. I saw that and I said, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get another email from Brent. Sure enough, I got another email from Brent. He was looking for me. Then I got an email from another client, Dr. James Brown. So I'm like, oh man, I know what's going on here. Here I am, desperate for money. It's at the tail end. God's warning me, stay put. Don't get ahead of the cloud. And sure enough, yesterday, to my shock, I got a phone call from Dr. Brent and Dr. James. Unprecedented. Two clients both of which have been clients of mine for years, haven't talked to them for a long time, called on the same day that I get the call to go back in, both of them needing me to do video work. Video work. I gotta take a pause real quick. Oh man, this is so cool. I just ran into a guy named Frank Smith who I've seen on my walking trail a couple of times and he actually subscribed to my videos a couple of months ago, tried to watch the story, couldn't see it. He said he's going to go back and check it out. I told him, I said, Frank, I said, believe it or not, just yesterday, the father gave me the go on getting back into doing the daily videos. And he said, Mike, I just went to your website yesterday to look and see (laughs) if you were up doing them again. He said, so the Lord was having me go check. How cool is that? So he was just, he's such a blessing and that was such a great thing. He said he's really looking forward to seeing the messages. So anyhow, back to what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to capture all this before it disappears from my memory. Is I see the 919 three times and one of them was amazing. One of them was a piece of paper in the parking lot where I go to my trail walk. And the father had told me to go to the trail that day. That's what I just now realized. I had journaled three times that uh, I journaled that the Lord had showed me 646 three times that day. And I'm like, man, he must want me to come up here for some reason. I went up there and of all the parking lot, there's one piece of paper. I walked over to it and it's like God said, look. And it had these old numbers and a barcode on it that I couldn't even see from the ground. I looked down on them and 919. That was the third time. That afternoon, I see the 222. I get the email from Brent Baldassar yesterday. I see 1133 twice. Check the scripture. See that it's Luke 1133. No one lights a lamp, puts it where in a place where it'll be hidden under a bowl. Instead puts it on its stand so it gives light to everyone that may see. I'm leaving to go to Starbucks. I look over and see a house number 11303. You take out the The zero, that's 11.33. That's three times in one day. I get to Starbucks. I had incidentally left my recorder recording um, on accident as I walk in from making a journal entry. I'm in the checkout process. 
and I look at my my app for Starbucks, my balance is what? $6.01. Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And I'm just like, okay, Father, it couldn't get any more clear than this. And I just began to just feel so awesome. While I'm standing, or actually, I get my coffee, I sit down, and then Mary comes running over to me, the lady that I had had this miraculous encounter with a couple of days, actually two weeks earlier, um, the area of forgiveness, where she was going to sue a local pastor, and God had me lead her in a prayer to forgive the man right there on the spot. She began to weep and exclaim, I'm free, I'm free, I've never felt so light and so free. Michael, I never thought I could get to this place in my Christianity, and she was just, it was incredible. Well, when I saw her, it's been two weeks, I saw her. She left her purse when she saw me. She left her purse and her coffee sitting on the coffee uh, condiment table and came running over to me and gave me a hug. Michael, it's been absolutely unbelievable. You wouldn't, she was just gushing. She had seen my story. She told me how she cried for me when she watched the story, but that God was now speaking to her and directing her. And she felt so free, and she's, she feels like she's supposed to share the testimony with other people. It was incredible. So I sit down, finish my work, um, go to my Bible study. And on my way to my Bible study, I'm like, Lord, I'm talking to my stepfather. I'm like, Father, I need you to let me know because I need the money bad. Lord, I need you to let me know if I'm supposed to not take these jobs. Or, you know, is there something that's changed? Can I take these jobs to do this video work. I'm going to Florida in two weeks anyhow. I mean, I'm, I was going to be in Florida in two weeks. I could do both of these jobs when I'm in Florida. I'm like, I know, I think I already know the answer because you showed me the 919s and the 222 before I got the phone calls or emails from these guys. But I said, Lord, please confirm it because usually he'll sandwich confirmation on both sides of the event, whatever it is. And uh, making it idiot proof for Michael. That's basically what he does. So, um, I told my stepfather, I said, well, I'll see a sign. I'll either see, you know, 525, 919 or, or, or 222. Incidentally, I looked down at the clock. It was 523. A few minutes later, without even thinking, I look up, my eyes go right to the 525. Galatians 525, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's his way of telling me not to get ahead. Stick, stick with him. So, I still felt like, hmm, I looked at that when it was two minutes early, Lord. The way it works for me is I look at it spot on. So, Lord, please confirm that night, and it almost interrupted my Bible study. I, I went into the Bible study thinking about this and caring about it and worrying it. So I set it down, just like Jesus teaches, don't worry about tomorrow. I set it down, engaged in a wonderful Bible study with my men, got to share some amazing testimonies. They all were so blessed. We had a new guy, Morris, visiting us that night on the way home. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about 222. I look up and I see one right there on the Remax sign. 222. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I see it. You're starting to make it so clear because the temptation is so strong. This is one of my best friends who wants to pay me thousands of dollars to do a video for a book that he's written um, where we would go film in a grocery store and it would be a fun job to work on and be thousands of dollars. And, and he's one of my best friends. And I didn't want to tell him no. And... This morning, I wake up, and I'm going to find this because this is so important to see. I wake up this morning, and I check my email, and in my email is the 
daily prophetic word. Here it is today. Incidentally, it came in at 2.12 a.m., Laura's number. And it says, Beloved, stay on track. Don't let anything derail you from your focus on things that really matter, things of eternal value and importance. The enemy will do all that he can to cause confusion, condemnation, and distraction. It is up to you to resist the attacks of the enemy, keep your thoughts under the rule of my spirit, and to control your emotional impulses and responses. Then, trust me to give you wisdom and direction in all things, says the Lord. I am for you. Psalm 119, 133. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. God directs my steps with his word. That's the whole thing of these numbers. Here he is telling me exactly, stay put. I'm filled with joy. I start feeling the, the, the joy of the sacrifice that I'm making for the Father. I see 848 last night while I'm talking to my parents. I see 848 when my mom comes in the room this morning to talk to me. And the Lord has told me my faith has delivered me. So now I have, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my game. I've got to be getting a letter from the court or from the state at any moment threatening me with child support stuff. And God is telling me, I will deliver you. So the stage is set for an amazing miracle. And for God to be, as it was said, it would be in 2001 when that angel tapped me on the shoulder in church and said, the Lord will be magnified and glorified through your obedience. Every ounce of glory that I've been able to reflect back to the Lord in my life and show to other people has been a result of one thing and one thing only, and that's obedience. Hardcore, radical obedience to God. My God will deliver me. He will not shame me. He has stretched me farther than I ever thought I could go. And I just know that right around the corner, there is going to be an incredible incredible miracle where I will scream hallelujah and I will be vindicated the father will be honored in glory glorified and he will validate all of the words all of the work that he's been investing in me now I have to run because I'm late for my lunch with my next door neighbor today